Digital therapeutics. It's an exciting tool to deliver care in a different way, but something that's not currently really a prominent feature of the healthcare system. So what is digital therapeutics and how does it differ to digital health, digital medicine and other things we do? And why should clinicians consider using digital therapeutics and digital therapeutics tools in their toolkit to help more patients? Well, today I'm chatting with Chris Naumides from Mindset Health. And in this session, we're going to talk about digital therapeutics, specifically with hypnosis and how it can help patients suffering from IBS, menopause, and more. Collaboration starts with a conversation. Team Health Tech, let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Chris Naumides. He's the co-founder and co-CEO of Mindset Health, building hypnosis-based digital therapeutics for underserved health areas like IBS and menopause. Hey, Chris, how are you going? Doing pretty well, Pete. Thanks for having me. Good to have you on the show, mate. Thank you so much. And discussing some interesting areas and some cool applications of modalities and technologies to solve some meaningful problems. But before we get stuck into it all, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you've wound up here. Awesome. Yeah. So I think I probably took a pretty non-traditional background to get into sort of health tech. I never grew up thinking or wanting then or knowing that I would end up working in healthcare. And it wasn't an industry that initially stood out to me as something I would go down. I grew up surrounded by people that wanted to get into finance and to get into commerce. And that was all the craze of the people that I was surrounded by. And I didn't really know if I wanted whatever I wanted to do, but I felt a need to follow sort of what people, other people are doing. And I feel like a lot of young people face similar things as that. And I ended up going and studying commerce at Monash and I've been doing that for a couple of years, but I'd always been interested in starting my own company. And Alex and I, who's my brother, we started anything from, we started barbecue paper, which was, we thought we could create a piece of paper that would mean that you wouldn't have to clean your barbecue. In our second test, the barbecue went on fire, so it wasn't the best thing for us, but we did anything. We also created Facebook mobile tablets, tablet apps back in when we were in 2015 and a bunch of other sort of small things that we loved and always knew we wanted to start a company, didn't know what we wanted to do. About halfway through sort of studying, we started a dress rental startup, so a, a startup focused on helping women rent dresses. It was generally about the idea that women have a lot of dresses, they wear them once or twice and don't wear them again. Seems like a bad way to use an asset. How can we make that better for women? And how can we make that more sustainable in the long run? Maybe an okay idea, not a good idea for two brothers who don't face the problem ourselves and don't have a passion for the industry. And Kish, one of our mentors asked us, do you want to work on this for the next seven to 10 years? I think it's an awesome question to ask yourself because the answer was no for us. And that's sort of what led us to mindset. Oh, very cool. Very interesting. And tell us a little bit more about mindset then and, and, and what you're doing now. Yes, we originally started and the idea was post-killing sort of covet, we fell into a period of anxiety and depression and the idea that our identity was tied up into this startup that we told everyone about and now it's sort of ending. And it felt like a problem that we really understood and we dived a lot into psychology, which is an area that fascinated us. So it was all centered around how can we solve a problem for ourselves? We actually stumbled across a podcast called Science Versus Hypnosis and it was like, oh, there's actually a lot more science behind hypnosis than we originally thought. And the gap between what the medical community and the science and the research shows and our belief in sage hypnosis is an opportunity for us to make an impact. So the original thinking was, let's build sort of common headspace, but for hypnosis. And so, you know, a broad help a bunch of different areas approach to making hypnosis successful for people. And 
now we've sort of transitioned more into where we've realized hypnosis is better for sort of therapeutic outcomes to specific healthcare conditions. And we went away from this sort of broad approach and went into specific verticals. So we ended up launching Nerva for irritable bowel syndrome in 2019. So that's a, a gut-directed hypnotherapy program that we worked with Dr. Simone Peters out of Monash University with. So we took her sort of six-week clinically validated program that was done with an RCT in Monash and helped digitalize that and make that much more accessible to people all around the world. And we've already helped over 50,000 people with Nerva manage their IBS symptoms and growing every single day. And the idea is, can we sort of build a group of these healthcare condition-specific digital therapeutics for different healthcare conditions? So making therapy accessible through your phone and doing so in a way that we're working with researchers, developing research constantly and, and in the process of launching and running our own RCTs um, at the moment. And so we've just actually launched our second digital therapeutic called EVR for menopause. Wow, so many questions and such a cool concept. And hearing that journey where you had that initial startup and that drive to be entrepreneurial and jumped on something that you know, seemed like a good idea, but you weren't passionate about and not something you were going to do for the long haul. And then uncovering a problem for yourself and then solving for that, it seems like a much more robust kind of way and a meaningful solution, something that's going to drive you to see something come out that impacts a lot of people. But I'm fascinated by this concept of, you know, utilizing hypnosis to essentially treat symptoms and have a physical impact on people. I'd love to learn a bit more about hypnosis. And it sounds like it's a lot, I think of it just as impacting, you know, the mind and something that it's a mindset thing, but it sounds much more, I don't know, organoleptic where it's impacting other parts of your body and the symptoms and the, the physical aspect of it. So tell us a bit more about hypnosis and how that's used effectively. Yeah, awesome. So hypnosis is probably quite different to a lot of people's expectations of it. People would have seen stage hypnosis or they would have seen TV shows of a clucking like a chicken and, and a moving mind control aspect. It is not that at all. At a core level, what hypnosis is focuses attention and absorption to help increase the ability for us to learn. So if you think about that, what a hypnosis session would actually look like is you close your eyes, you listen to someone speak and pull you through a sort of a guided awareness. So maybe similar to a guided meditation if you've done that previously. Once you're sort of in that focused state, then you can begin the therapeutic um, techniques. So for different healthcare conditions, that's differently. We like to think about it as hypnosis can help therapy sink in. So it helps you learn therapy better. Hypnosis isn't a therapy itself, and it's just a technique to help improve the outcome. And if you see, if you look at studies, looking at combining CBT and hypnosis, it's more effective in 83% of studies compared to CBT alone. And so, for example, if you're looking at an area like depression, it's very CBT focused. If you're looking at an area like hot flashes, menopause, it's more guided imagery. And I think menopause is an interesting one when you talk about the sort of mind approach versus physical symptoms. I would not have thought even a year ago, even two years ago, that you could use a mind therapy to help reduce hot flashes in menopausal women. But the research is very clear and it's 80 plus percent results after five weeks of reduction of hot flashes. And it's all centered around the idea that the brain is the self-regulation of temperature. The brain manages how you regulate temperature. It is a very bodily effects in how you feel it in the same way with IBS in terms of the brain is the one that regulates gut symptoms. If you can impact the way that your brain responds to external stimuli, you can change the physical symptoms as a response. So what we focus in in our programs is really around self-management. So learning how to self-manage different symptoms and empowering the person to learn different techniques. For example, with menopause, all the sessions are very centered around cooling. So you might walk through a snowy mountain path or you go to a cold rocks by the river and the idea that you can pull yourself into this cool state and learn how to change how your body feels through that regulation of temperature and that ability to pull yourself into a cold state shows that you can regulate temperature through your own mind. 
And that's what happens with hot flashes. It's all of a sudden you have an external temperature that changes your body and it might be you've got a fan on in your bedroom or something like that and, and your brain responds and doesn't know how to react and has a hot flash. Your brain eventually, after like three to five years, learns how to stop and learns how to regulate temperature naturally through those repetition of events. But through guided visualization, you can train the brain earlier and you can go through faster in that process. Really interesting. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I've used... You touched on meditation, how there was that kind of, you know, people are more familiar with the concept of meditation apps or mindfulness apps. The nuances and the differences between what we're talking here when it comes to the hypnosis side versus the mindfulness, like what are some of those differences? It's definitely the therapeutic techniques that happen within the middle of the session. So if you think about a meditation session, often it's centered around awareness and it's centered around mindfulness. Um, it doesn't have to be. And that's why meditation is a very broad concept in of itself. But um, that initial part of a meditation where you're centered around focus and absorption is quite similar to what you would go through in a hypnosis session. Once you're into that state of hypnosis, then the therapeutic techniques that follow are very different. And the biggest difference between hypnosis and its application in therapeutic techniques versus meditation and mindfulness is the point solution effect. So being able to have a therapeutic outcome in a specific healthcare condition because of the tailored therapy specific to that healthcare condition. So for example, if you listen to our sessions on depression or if you listen to the sessions on IBS, it's very specific to IBS or depression. Um, talking about, let's say, CBT techniques for how you can learn to self-manage depression and build up those coping skills and coping mechanisms to survive rather than a focus on awareness or broadness. Cool. And so we're coming to this topic of therapeutic intervention and we touched on in the intro about digital therapeutics and, and what that might be and how that differs to, you know, just our general concepts of digital health and digital medicine. How do you place digital therapeutics compared to some other tools that exist? We like to think about digital therapeutics as a product most likely going to be an app through a digital therapeutic that has an intention to have a therapeutic outcome through either it could be self-management like us or treatment focus like some other products in the States and around a specific healthcare condition and can be able to show that sort of therapeutic outcomes as well. So through research, many people would consider themselves digital therapeutics who have no research and that doesn't make sense because you can't be a digital therapeutic if you can't prove that you have a therapeutic outcome. So at the core level, that's what we consider. And Generally, with digital therapeutics, at least how we like to think about it, it's outside of human interaction. So it's mobilized or digitalized rather than having a person that's interacting with the patient themselves. So for us, it's purely digital. We don't have any sort of therapist involvement with our product. It's a very self-guided journey versus having a digital way to access in-person therapists. Yeah. And that brings up that interesting trade-offs and pros versus cons that people think about on one hand by empowering the patient to have full control and guidance through that process themselves, as opposed to physically going and see a, a therapist or a clinician or somebody, it increases that accessibility and the empowerment side. But on the other end, that's often the whole point of having someone guide through the process to make sure things are adhered to properly and everything is safe. So how did you go through that process of weighing up the right kind of utilization of your tool and what it's trying to perform? Yeah. And we don't think of them as completely separate as well. So although our product is purely digital, we work a lot with healthcare practitioners. So we have a lot of therapists who use our product in between sessions as a way to empower the patient to build those coping skills and coping mechanisms and learn how to self-regulate their body outside of the sessions. And ideally, we actually prefer a therapist being involved. It's just not what we build ourselves. And it depends on the patient as well. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. If someone's got major depression, they shouldn't be speaking to us first. They should be speaking to a therapist and they should be going to a therapist and they should be the person who's deciding whether Nerva or 
Evia or whatever product it is, is a good fit for the patient. But the awesome thing about digital therapeutics is we've already helped 50,000 plus people in the past year. It's more people than even close to Dr. Smo Peters would be able to think about working with on a yearly basis. And if you look at gut-directed hypnotherapy, you've got in either the UK, US or Australia, it's six months plus waiting times. It's costing 1000 plus dollars, often not covered by insurance. And even if you can get onto a waiting list, a lot of people can't even see a therapist in terms of gut-directed hypnotherapy and especially hypnotherapy for menopause. So if you look at these sort of underserved practitioners, there isn't enough practitioners in these areas to make it a viable solution for many patients. Can we take one doctor who has a proven sort of protocol for that healthcare condition and make it accessible via a phone and show that the data itself, and our data shows this, it's almost as effective as in-person therapy. Such a logical and sensible approach to it. And so then since the clinicians are such an important piece of the puzzle in how it's delivered, how do you go about tying it all in, in terms of making sure that the clinicians got the ability to refer to the app appropriately or monitor what's going on and and manage the bits and pieces with the patient? So we're actually thinking a lot more about this now as well. If we think about what we're trying to do at Mindset Health, it's build these digital therapeutics that are extremely patient engaging. So it's products that they love. It's what they want to be using. And that's what we think the future of healthcare is, very centered around engaging products that consumers and patients love. And then the other aspect of it is how do we engage the healthcare system? It's an extremely important part of any healthcare distribution strategy and getting it into the hands of the right people and also helping making sure it's as effective as possible. And for us, one of the ways we're doing that is trying to bridge the gap between the digital therapeutics, so let's say Nerva or Evia, and the four walls within a clinic of a practitioner. So a couple of ways that we can do that or we are doing that is providing a data sort of connection between the therapist and their patient. So we're building a product called Connect, which you'll find on our website. That helps you see where the digital therapeutics are, their their outcomes and their sort of descriptions and understand them and learn about digital therapeutics, but also prescribe them or refer them to recommend them to your patients. After recommending to your patients, you can, if the patient consents, and we're very big on privacy, but if the patient consents, you'll be able to see their progress throughout the program. And in the future, you'll be able to see their symptoms and patient-reported outcome measures, all using validated questionnaires and scales, something of which is generally hard without any digital products. So not only are we providing a potential management solution to help you walk through with your patients and something hopefully that the patient will enjoy and have a really good outcome for both you and them, we're providing a way to generate data on one, the effectiveness of our program, but also the effectiveness of generally their life and what improvements you're doing with them to getting real clear data on how they're improving over time. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a a no-brainer and the potential for technology to assist with bridging that gap between consultations, but finding sensible ways where patients don't feel like they can actively engage in it and share information without it being an extra burden for anybody in the process. So working with the tools that they love, as you say, and finding a positive experience for it is key. And then thinking more broadly then about the healthcare ecosystem and all the different players involved, you know, you've got the clinicians, we've talked a lot about the clinicians and the patients in that life cycle, but then you've got all the other kind of players that might have interest too. So is there a role that insurance has when it comes to digital therapeutics in the healthcare system? I think we're still really early on digital therapeutics in the healthcare system and the potential is is there's so much potential that that hasn't been tapped into. Even if we think about what I said earlier around the increase in accessibility and decrease in costs without losing outcomes um, associated with digital therapeutics, there's should be a very clear incentive for insurance companies to get involved. Um, If you've got 
decreased costs, increased patient satisfaction levels, and similar outcomes that you would in other alternative methods, covering digital therapeutics cost, again, should be a no-brainer. I think what the problem is currently is that there isn't a very solidified pathway to getting reimbursement. It's a very one-to-one interaction with different insurance companies, which is hard to scale. And even involving with the government and Medicare, it's again, no clear pathway there. But I think it's a really exciting opportunity. Thinking then, so looking ahead, looking into 2022 and beyond, what's on the horizon for Mindset Health and the different things you're working on? What can we look forward to seeing from from you guys? I think still the two biggest pillars for us are creating the most effective digital therapeutics for a range of healthcare conditions and specifically healthcare conditions where hypnosis has been shown to have a unique effect on. So for example, if you look at uh, menopause, CBT hasn't been shown to be effective and there's more and more CBT programs around the world, especially in conditions like anxiety and depression where it's extremely effective and it's awesome. Thin menopause, it doesn't have a, it has only been shown to help with the sort of coping side of it, not necessarily the actual decrease in reduction of symptoms. So in conditions like that, chronic pain, even depression, they're all upcoming programs for us. And I think in the next year, we'll launch two more programs. So we've just launched our menopause product called Evia. And the idea of scaling those two products as well as launching two more next year into different healthcare conditions, probably chronic pain and depression is one big pillar for us and helping to continue to improve that as an engaging experience for a patient. The second pillar for us is engaging more in the healthcare system. So really doubling down on helping connect clinicians. So specifically therapists, dietitian, nutritionists um, in the future, GPs, gastroenterologists, specialists, and their patients through digital therapeutics, as well as involving in the healthcare system, like you said, insurance um, and coverage. And where can we play a role to sort of bridge that gap between that consumer and that sort of healthcare system in general? Love it. Look, Chris, I really appreciate you making the time and having a chat on the show. It's such an interesting space, the digital therapeutic side, and great to hear the real-world application from your side and, and the exciting opportunities ahead. So we'll put the details for Mindset Health and your different apps in the show notes of this episode for people to check out in their time. Look, Chris, I really appreciate your time. Good luck with the future. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Pete. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out TalkingHealthTech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen. Go make it happen.